This podcast brought to you by Gowan Canada, makers of Edge Microactive Pre-Emergent Herbicide. The heartbeat of Saskatchewan is agriculture, and 620 CKRM is proud to be your source for everything ag. Welcome to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with your host, Jim Smalley. And a good afternoon. Welcome to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today, brought to you by Harvard Western Insurance. We don't judge. Here's another reminder to renew your plates today. Visit harvardwestern.com. And brought to you by the Arcola Co-op. You're at home here on Highway 13 in Arcola. Today we have our Friday look at grain markets this week. Both wheat and canola are trending downward, and we have the latest details. The Commons Agriculture Committee again looks at exempting on-farm use of propane and natural gas from the carbon tax. Real Agriculture looks at flea beetle control. Saskatchewan's pork industry opposes proposed labeling for ground pork. And a study is underway on carbon stored in perennial grasslands in this province. The farm weather is in its usual spot at the bottom of the hour. This is Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with 620 CKRM Agri-News Director Jim Smalley. Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by Johnson's Grain, your first and last stop for grain pricing and crop protection. And brought to you by Farm Fresh Water. They'll make your well water wonderful and your dugout drinkable. Get your Farm Fresh Water today at farmfreshwater.ca. Grain prices this week were on a downward trend. Commodity Futures Advisor with PI Financial, Adam Pacallo, says canola is down $38 a ton for this week, while spring wheat has dropped $0.38 cents a bushel. Well, Jim, on the November canola front here, still been sliding lower, down approximately $38 a ton for the week. Today, we are sitting at approximately $1,008 a ton as we're speaking. And we did actually dip below that important $1,000 a ton level that I have been watching here. We reached a low today of $997.50. So in uh, my my chart analysis here, if we do see that $1,000 a ton level broken, I do believe we could be heading close to that 960 area. So definitely some important technical side to be watching for canola. On the Minneapolis wheat front, this week, the July contract is down approximately $0.36 cents a bushel, which the majority of that decline coming from today down approximately $0.25.5 cents at eleven eighty-three and a half. So wheat has definitely been trading somewhat sideways here. Today, again, just more of a, a larger kind of move down. The earlier in the week, wheat did actually find some some strength from some of the other grains and also continued tightness uh, in just stocks due to the lack of the Ukraine wheat really moving, as well as weakness in the U.S. dollar uh, and some concerns for heat in the U.S. for the spring wheat crop, even some heat concerns in areas of Europe. So definitely a few things to be watching for the wheat crop. However, Right now, it seems like today, at least, all grains are weak across the board. Crude oil WTI is down approximately $7 a barrel today. Uh, the Canadian dollar is down almost three quarters of a cent to 76 and a half cents. Uh, and the stock market as well, too, has is, is still been declining here with the TSX at 52-week lows. So um, I believe just kind of there is weakness across all markets, and grains are definitely not susceptible to kind of following that as well too. 
You outlined some market factors, especially around the wheat price decline. What are the market factors around the canola decline? Well, a few things on the canola front. Again, there's many factors affecting things right now, but really the continued weakness in the palm oil market as Indonesia becomes a much more aggressive exporter has definitely helping kind of drive soybean oil lower as well too um, to the lower end of kind of that May-June area that it's been at. As well too, I believe, again, just on the technical side of things as well too with traders pushing this canola market down to see how far it can kind of drop and I have heard just of more producers selling as well too depending on how their crop is so this is that time of year where we might see you know weaker grain markets in the springs. What's the outlook next week and beyond? Well, next week, we'll see again if we can see, you know, some support here in some of these grain markets. Uh, It's definitely going to be important to to kind of protect the crop, especially for producers. So that's something that I've been talking to clients actively about, looking at different put options on canola, different strategies for wheat as well, too. So that's, I would say, for next week to be just really watching to see if some of these technical trends are lasting um, or are they? we going to start to find a little bit of support here in, in other markets? Adam Picallo is a Commodity Futures Advisor with PI Financial. Back to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with Jim Smalley on 620 CKRM. This portion is brought to you by Prairie 6-inch Eavestroffs. An inch makes a big difference. PrairieEavestroffs.ca And your Prairie Co-op Grow Team, fueling farms, feeding families in Cupar, Ituna, Lipton and Strasburg. The Commons Agriculture Committee took a break this week from discussing the issue of global food security. Yesterday, it turned its attention to Bill 234. That's the bill aimed at exempting propane and natural gas from the federal carbon tax when used on-farm for things like heating barns and drying grain. If that sounds familiar, there was a similar bill that nearly made it to the finish line during the last Parliament a year ago. But it died on the order paper, on the order table, when the federal election was called. It's back, and just like the previous bill, is making its way through the process, thanks to unanimous support from the other opposition parties in Ottawa. Tory MP Ben Lobb introduced the bill months ago and spoke to the committee yesterday. A friend of mine who's a sizable hog farmer in the region sent me a heating bill for the period of November 30th to December 31st, 2021. His bill is as follows from Enbridge. Customer charge, delivery to you, vendor admin fee, transportation Enbridge, and gas supply charge for one month was $8,473 before the carbon tax. Add the carbon tax, it was an astonishing $2,918 and one penny, just in memory of Jim Flaherty. Now, if you factor in what that is on the original $8,400 bill, that's astonishing. Some may say, well, Ben, we have that covered now with the carbon rebate that was delivered in Bill C-8 in the fall economic update. Relief for farmers. For the last year, it was $1.47 per thousand, and in this economic year, it's $1.73 per thousand. So on $10,000 of eligible expenses, your rebate is $14.70. Now, remember that bill I told you about the hog farmer in Huron County, $8,473.60 and his carbon tax bill was $2,918. Not really fair. $12.50. 
Where I'm from, that's about four king cans, not much. Lobb urged the committee to consider the importance of agriculture as they review this bill before sending it back to the Commons for a final vote. Farmers are price takers. They are not price makers. They do not make the market. They are within the whims of the weather, the markets in Chicago, the crops in the Midwest and in Brazil and other places, trade deals, whether they work effectively or they are not enforced, rail lines, ports that may or may not be functioning properly, the lack of container capacity in this country, geopolitical tensions that we've seen in Europe this year, all have an impact. In this committee, you have the opportunity to help a neighbour, maybe a hard-working rural family you've never met before. You can help a farmer. Time now for Real Agriculture with Sean Haney. Brought to you in part by Karst Holdings in Assiniboia and Schlamps Integra Tire in Grenfell. Your locally owned Integra Tire dealers on The Source 620 CKRM. This is your realagriculture.com update. Bring the energy of Real Ag Radio to your next customer meeting or conference. From your stage, we'll record an episode in person to inform and provide insight on the latest in agriculture. Sean Haney here with realagriculture.com and Real Ag Radio. As we see that canola across the province of Saskatchewan get out of the ground, now the attention turns to the pesky flea beetle. And we try to minimize the damage, obviously through seed treatment, but there's also the opportunity to maybe control through spray, which can be, well, to, to say the least, a little bit frustrating to get the timing right and make sure that we are through some of those economic thresholds that are set out by the research community. Recently on a Canola School episode at canolaschool.com, Kara Oosterhouse of Real Agriculture had a chance to catch up with researcher Hector Carcamo from AFC Lethbridge to talk about the flea beetle and whether or not you should spray. I'm back here today with another Canola School episode, and I have here with me Hector Carcamo, who is a research scientist with Agriculture and Agri-Food Canada. How's it going today? Hello, everyone. I'm doing all right. Feeling a little bit happier now. We got a bit of rain. Yes, absolutely. And, and happier, especially when we're looking at the specific insect we're here to talk about today, and that is flea beetles. Now, you've done a ton of work with flea beetles in the past. What, what are some of the things you're looking at right now? Uh, yes, uh, recently we have been looking at validating the economic thresholds for flea beetles. Um, we completed a study and we have confirmed that the uh, economic threshold for flea beetles is around 25% of damage on the cotyledons. And more recently, we have been looking at the effect of uh, seeding rates and plant densities on uh, flea beetles and also comparing how efficacious foliar sprays are compared to seed treatments. So that's some of the work that we have been doing. And uh, one other area that we have been doing work for many years is to identify the predators that are uh, affecting flea beetles and we have been collaborating with other scientists that uh, do molecular biology work so we we're hoping that that work eventually will provide some useful information for growers so now when we're looking at economic thresholds that obviously means that's where it pays to spray now 25 percent what does that look like on the cotyledons uh, 
If you're looking at a cotyledon with 25%, uh, usually for a grower, sometimes it looks worse than what it is, <laughs> but it, uh, it, it, may, it may start to look quite bad at 25%. And uh, I, was, uh, I usually tell people that the economic threshold is a guideline that we use right, to, to um, be able to only spray the insecticide if you absolutely must spray the insecticide, right? Because if you are below that threshold, you should not really be spraying. Uh, allow the natural enemies to to uh, help us manage the flea beetles by eating them, right? But plants can actually tolerate, canola plants are extremely good at tolerating uh, insect feeding. So in reality, uh, canola plant can even take up to 50% of defoliation, which if you see a plant with 50% uh, defoliation, it will look really bad. It will be all ragged up and all eaten up. So, uh, but canola plants can actually tolerate a lot of a lot of damage. We say 25% because flea beetle damage can uh, accumulate very rapidly, right? Especially if you have a hot day. So we say, okay, 25% time to get out and spray because usually by the time you actually spray the actual injury to the plant will be much higher than 25%, but we know that the plants can still tolerate that, that level of damage. Especially if you have a little bit of rain. Uh, if, if the conditions are very dry and the plants are very stressed, then it's a different story. They are not able to compensate as much. But normally canola plants can tolerate quite a bit of damage. So by the time you have three or four true leaves on your canola plants and, and you have some rain, uh, the fertility is good, then you shouldn't really be spraying for flea beetles because by that time the plants can afford to feed the flea beetles, so to speak, and you shouldn't really be wasting your money on spraying and also causing the, the non-target effects. This has been your Real Agriculture Update. You can find out more about this issue or many others at realagriculture.com. It's your agri-weather forecast on The Source 620 CKRM. The official 620 CKRM farm weather is brought to you by Shepherd Realty in Regina, specializing in farm and ranch real estate in Saskatchewan. Call Harry, Justin, or Devin at 352-1866. And Moose Jaw Truck Shop, the number one choice for any diesel engine repair. Drop in, no appointment necessary, or visit moosejawtruckshop.com. There's a whole portion of the western part of the Grain Belt, Moose Jaw and West and West Central, that's under a heat warning. There, it's going to be very hot the next couple days. It's expected the heat warning will cover Regina starting tomorrow. For today, we're looking at a sunny sky, wind southeast 50, gusting to 70, and a high of 27. Risk of a thunderstorm late this evening and overnight, the low 18. Saturday, partly cloudy, 30%. Chance of showers, risk of a thunderstorm in the afternoon. Wind southeast 30, gusting to 50. The high forecast tomorrow, 34, the low 19. Sunday, partly cloudy, the high 31, 60% chance of evening showers and windy, the low 15. Monday, partly cloudy, the high 24, 60% chance of evening showers, Monday, the low 13. Tuesday, cloudy, 60% chance of showers, the high 21, the low 11. Wednesday, partly cloudy, the high 22, the low 11. Thursday, partly cloudy, the high 25. Normal high for this date is 23, the normal low is 10. The sun rose at 446 this morning, it sets at 912 tonight. And around the province, the hot spot 
is in the southwest corner at Val-Marie, 27 degrees. The cold spot up north, La Ronge, at 14. Estevan and Saskatoon right now, both 24. Swift Current and Weyburn, 25. Yorkton is 20. Regina, sunny and 26. That's 79 Fahrenheit. Winds are from the southeast at 44, gusting to 62. Humidity is 42%. The barometric pressure is dropping, 101.5. Sunny and Moose Jaw, 26. Winds are from the east-southeast, 55, gusting to 68. Once again, Regina, sunny and 26. That's 79 Fahrenheit. This spring, apply pre-emergent Edge Microactive Group 3 herbicide from Gowan Canada. Before seeding your canola, peas, or lentils, maximize yield today and manage resistance tomorrow. Always read and follow label directions from Gowan Canada. You're listening to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with 620 CKRM Agri-News Director Jim Smalley. This portion of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by McDougall Auctioneers. Get fair market value for your assets with an online auction through McDougall Auctioneers. McDougallAuctions.com And brought to you by Patterson Liquid Systems, experts in liquid fertilizer distribution. Fertilizer's just better when it's wetter. Patterson Liquid Systems, expect the best. Saskatchewan's pork producers are calling on the federal government to exempt ground beef and pork from proposed front-of-package labeling. The labeling would require symbols indicating products are high in fat, sugar, or sodium. Toby Shetter, the chair of the Saskatchewan Pork Development Board, says the implications for pork and beef producers are concerning. So pork and beef and pork cuts are exempt from the, this front-of-packaging labeling, but if it's ground up, has Canada proposed changes would mean that the ground beef and ground pork would have to receive a front of package label. The assessment is based on raw product, but much of the fat from ground pork and ground beef is removed through the cooking process. Shetter says the Saskatchewan Pork Development Board wants an exemption for ground pork. And ground meat should be exempt from uh, the Health Canada proposed uh, front of label front of package labeling, like other nutritious foods such as single ingredient meat cuts, uh, milk, eggs, vegetables and fruit. FOVP labeling should address the real nutrition priority. Canadians need to reduce their consumption of highly processed foods. Statistics Canada reports approximately half of the calories Canadians consume come from nutrient-poor ultra-processed foods. Shetter says there are some health implications of this proposed change for consumers. Reduction in whole foods like ground pork and ground beef consumption would have a very small impact at best on the Canadians' overall intake of saturated fat, while at the same time putting vulnerable populations, including women and children, at risk of inadequate iron, zinc, and vitamin B12 intakes and deficiencies. Recent studies have shown that uh, ground meat is a small contributor to the overall saturated fat for Canadians are consuming. It's around uh, 4%. Shetters says consumers need to know about the nutritional aspects of pork. Ground pork is a nutrient-dense, complete protein, and it contributes iron, zinc, and vitamin B12 and other essential nutrients to the Canadian diet. And he explains further. While other countries that have implemented the, these FOP regulations have chosen to exempt all single-ingredient whole foods, including ground meat, the advice that the government of Canada provides to consumers regarding healthy food choices will only be more important to Canadians as they rebound from a pandemic and navigate through all these fears of regarding food security at a time when inflation and food prices are at an all-time high. Just by verifying a traditional popular nutrient-dense food like ground pork and beef, that doesn't serve well for Canadians. 
Shetheryov fears some international trade implications with the labeling proposals. Well, we are concerned of the potential trade implications and the impressions it's going to have putting this label on bond pork and the implications it's going to have to our trading partners. Around 70% of Canadian pork is designed for export in markets, and a warning label is not a positive signal if you need to send anything to your trading partners. Toby Shetter is the chair of the Saskatchewan Pork Development. You're tuned to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today on The Source, 620 CKRM. This segment of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by Diggleman Industries. Look to Diggleman for the most reliable, dependable, engineered tough equipment on the market. And Arcola Building Supplies, small town lumberyard, big on service. ArcolaBuildingSupplies.com. A project led by the University of Alberta is going to map how much carbon is being stored in perennial grasslands across Saskatchewan. Cameron Carlisle is the lead researcher on this project and says once they've compiled the data over the next few years, he believes there will be benefits to ranchers on the prairies. The first way is that, you know, when we think about the the beef industry, it has been criticized for its uh, greenhouse gas uh, emissions, um, but it's not often recognized for the sequestration that happens uh, in the land base Um, and there is a substantial amount of carbon that's being held um, in in those soils. Uh, It could also help to encourage policy that could potentially reward producers uh, for storing that carbon and keeping their their forages as forages because we know forages um, hold more carbon in the soil than some other land uses. Um, And then also It'll help identify identify best management practices that a producer can use to increase the amount of carbon in their soil, which is the goal for climate change. But that also has benefits for forage production. So having more carbon in the soil um, increases the amount of nutrients, and it can also increase the amount of water that's held in the soil. So that can increase overall productivity. That's Cameron Carlisle at the University of Alberta. The work conducted with the University of Saskatchewan will encompass 20 million acres across the southern half of Saskatchewan and takes in several factors that will ultimately help producers with long-term decision-making. The Market Updates with Jim Smalley on The Source, 620 CKRM. Market Update is brought to you by Freeze Tallman Lumber and Sask Pork, working on behalf of Saskatchewan hog producers and our community. Grain prices were showing downward movement in early trading. Viterra prices for canola went down 14.30 at 982.22. Flax fell 31.94 at 10.62.67. Lentils declined $5 at 8.67.50. Number one red spring wheat dropped six cents at 5.18.61. The rest were unchanged. Durham 6.06.27. Feed barley 3.83.34. Chickpeas, 9.99.99. Oats, 4.51.53. Yellow peas, 6.04.65. And feed wheat, 3.78.30. At Minneapolis, July spring wheat fell 18 cents at $11.91 a bushel. It's the Livestock Reports on the Source 620 CKRM. The Livestock Quotes are brought to you by the Weyburn Livestock Exchange. Call Weyburn, 842-4574. Now, the latest quotes. This is Grant Barnett with the Market Report. Heartland Livestock here in Moosha. Another 400 on offer at our Tuesday regular sale. There's quite a difference out there right now between these high-yielding cows and these just 
cows and bulls. These really good, high-yielding cows with some flesh on them. A dollar three to twelve, we had them right up to a buck seventeen this week. Medium hay-fed cows and these leaner cows, ninety-four to a dollar two. Good big bulls, a dollar thirty-five to a dollar forty-two. Everett Johnson out of that Davidson country, he had a great big high-yielding bull, twenty-five seventy-five at a dollar forty-five and a quarter. He brings thirty-seven hundred and forty Canadian dollars. These medium bows from 120 to 132. Sales are every Tuesday here in Moose Jaw for the summer months. This is Grant Barnett reporting. Let's have one great afternoon. And the latest Saskatchewan pork prices, $246.75 per CKG. That's for both brand and Moose Jaw plants. This is the Saskatchewan Resource Report on 620 CKRM. Here's Jim Smalley. Now the Resource Report, brought to you by Second Look Online Auction. Visit 2ndlookonlineauction.com to see what's up for bid. And brought to you by Mandaco. Talk to your Mandaco dealer or visit mandaco.com to learn more about Mandaco land rollers and tillage equipment. The Saskatchewan government says the provincial economy continues to show incredible strength. Wholesale trade in Saskatchewan grew 29.4% between April last year and April this year. That's the highest increase among the provinces. Trade and Export Development Minister Jeremy Harrison says the top performing sectors year-over-year include farm products up 26%, food and beverage up 9%, and various merchant wholesalers' products up 70%. In March, the value of retail trade rose 7.7% year-over-year, the highest among the provinces. In April, the value of manufacturing sales rose 27% year-over-year. Merchandising exports also jumped 34% in the past year. Almost 20,000 jobs were added in the past year. The Conference Board of Canada projects Saskatchewan's economy will lead the country with GDP growth of 7.9% this year, well above the national average of 4%. On the markets, the TSX is down 7 points to 18,996. The Dow has dropped 70 points to 29,997. Oil has fallen 7.40 at 107.85 per barrel. The Canadian dollar is down one-tenth of a cent at 76.70 cents U.S. That's the resource report. If you missed any segment of the show, tune in to the On Demand Saskatchewan Agriculture Today podcast. Brought to you by Gowan Canada. Gowan Canada understands the challenges growers face and takes pride in finding effective crop protection solutions. Visit GowanCanada.com to learn more. That's Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. I'm Jim Smalley. You've been listening to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with Jim Smalley on 620 CKRM. If you missed any of today's broadcast, download the podcast now online at 620CKRM.com. Saskatchewan Agriculture Today, following the 12 o'clock news on your voice for everything ag. This podcast brought to you by Gowan Canada, makers of Edge Microactive Pre-Emergent Herbicide.